The Action Network podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a brand new sign-up offer for our listeners. Bet $1 on any team and win $100 if that team scores a touchdown. That's right. All you have to do is open a new WinBet account, deposit $20 or more, and bet $1 on any team within your first 10 days. If that team scores a touchdown, you win $100. So if you haven't signed up for a WinBet account yet, take advantage of this offer today by clicking on the Action Network link in this episode description. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's start the show. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus Sources Edition presented by WinBet. I'm Action Network senior writer Colin Wilson, a guy that loves betting on Maction. Happy Maction, everybody. My co-host, the award-winning news-breaking Action Network's own Brett McMurphy. First reported by our own Brett McMurphy. Brett McMurphy is Sources. All right, Brett, we got a lot to discuss. It's college football playoff season. It's Maction season. I love Maction. I love Maction. We're going to push Kenneth Walker Heisman chatter for later when we get to our Heisman handicap. Where is Michigan State going to fall in the college football playoff ranking? Well, if I tell you, then nobody's going to watch the show Tuesday night, right? Right, absolutely. I think Michigan State will be in the top three. You know, we can debate whether they deserve to be based on, you know, advanced stats and metrics and all that. But I just think based on uh, the win against Michigan, the fact, obviously, they are undefeated with the handful of other teams. Three things I feel confident about. Georgia will be number one. Michigan State will be in the top three. And Cincinnati will not be in the top three. After that, you pull the names out of a hat. I, I completely agree with you. I have not been impressed with Cincinnati the last two weeks after me being on some sort of steam train during the summer about how much I love Desmond Ritter, how much I love Cincinnati. But that was based on 2020, where I thought they were a legitimate team. Everybody seems to forget, like, Cincinnati had Georgia pinned to the mat in the Peach Bowl last year for three quarters. And JT Daniels had to score three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to win that game. And so the projection for this year was that, hey, this is a Cincinnati defense that can play with Georgia. This is a Cincinnati offense that can play with Georgia. This Cincinnati this year, this 2021 version, is nothing like what I saw last year. And they've proven it the last two weeks. I wouldn't be surprised, Brett, if they're outside of the top four. Let's move on to another team. There's going to be outrage when Oregon is ranked much lower than Ohio State. Is there a legitimate reason the Buckeyes are ahead of the Ducks without saying, I don't even want to turn on the TV tomorrow night. I'm not interested in hearing all these people on ESPN telling me, I test. What is the real reason that Ohio State is going to be ranked ahead of Oregon? I don't think they will. The committee will value head-to-head. I've got Oregon above Ohio State on my top 25 ballot. I can't answer for the other uh, 60 individuals on why they have Ohio State over Oregon. The game was played. It was in Columbus. Oregon's lost one game. They lost it when their offensive coordinator wasn't there on a controversial 
slash bad call against Stanford. I think we talked about this last week. Yeah, I think Oregon will be above Ohio State. Yeah, that's one thing I'll be looking for because Ohio State is ahead of Oregon. I don't even know why we do these shows. You know, I, I kind of feel the same way about Notre Dame. I, you know, Notre Dame continues to, to, to float up into the top 10. I see that they're number eight in your AP vote, but they're kind of tied to Cincinnati, right? I mean, like their losses to Cincinnati. So as Cincinnati goes, Notre Dame goes, which makes me think that Notre Dame has no shot to get into the college football playoff whatsoever. <laughs> to, be, to be very honest, like who else can you put up there? I mean, there's really nobody else you can put up there above Notre Dame. They did have the lopsided win against Wisconsin, you know, kind of misleading because of turnovers. A win against Purdue is, isn't wasn't bad. Uh, they won at Virginia Tech, uh, and they you know they handled USC and North Carolina. So they're beating teams that are above 500 which is more than you can say for a lot of schools. I don't think they've got any shot to get to the playoff because obviously they lost the head-to-head to Cincinnati, and I just think there's too many bodies for them to jump over at 11-1 and one to, make, to make the top four. We're going to talk about the playoff later. Look, Gary Patterson gets fired after being at TCU since 1998. He took over as head coach in 2000. This is a guy that's won Coach of the Year in Conference USA, Mountain West, and the Big 12. In 21 years, he made 18 bowls. So it was a little bit of a shock to me. But what is next for TCU and what is next for Patterson? It'll be fascinating to see if Patterson still wants to coach. He probably won't get a Power 5 offer uh, because the Big 12 and kind of where he's at in the no disrespect to TCU. I'm an Oklahoma State grad, so I know what the Big 12 is about. But you're kind of right now at the bottom rung of the Power 5 right now. So I think if he has any opportunity, it would be at the group five level. There's certainly going to be plenty of openings in the group of five in the coming weeks. The unknown is, does he want to drop down to the group five and continue being a head coach? Or would he rather maybe go somewhere to a power five school and be a defensive coordinator, which is what he's known for? It's funny, it was a few years ago, I I can't remember what year it was, but Kansas State had printed up these t-shirts because one year they beat all the teams they played in the state of Texas when they're, you know, big 12 schedule. Well, Patterson saw this somewhere, somehow somebody got that t-shirt. Actually the week of the game, he put it up in his TCU locker room to, to fire up the team. Sure enough, TCU beat Kansas state. So, you know, it's interesting that the links that some of these coaches will go for motivation. Look, he did an incredible job at TCU. A lot of people don't realize this, TCU won a Rose Bowl. They were this close to getting in to the BCS national title game. The battles between TCU and Boise State uh, were legendary. And he did just a tremendous, tremendous job there. So we'll have to see where he ends up uh, in the coming uh, weeks or months. Yeah, I'm really interested. The coaching carousel, last week, I believe you said that uh, I think there had been six coaches that were gone. We would have triple that amount. We are well on that pace uh yeah i'm sure your phone can't keep a battery in it right now um you know i have to ask uh, bruce fellman put out a story earlier today that said florida's just not trying uh (laughs) i I don't know if they're just not trying uh they definitely got whooped is dan mullen comfortable right now how's dan mullen in the the media down in down in uh gainesville look mullen's gonna survive unless something weird happens and he loses out but it's not trending in the right direction for dan mullen he's two and seven the Gators are two and seven in their last nine against power five opponents. And, you know, I talked to somebody in Gainesville today and they said that they don't believe Mullins 
in any danger of getting fired, but he's certainly going to have to make some changes on his staff. Most notably, Todd Grantham, the defensive coordinator, which you broke the news on Saturday. I didn't know Florida had a defensive coordinator, but you, you enlightened me on that one. Uh, I, I think he would probably not be back in Gainesville next year. There's probably another assistant or two that probably won't be in Gainesville next year. And that's what I was talking to the source about. It's so crazy when you think about Florida, because remember, remember on September 18th, when they took Alabama to the wire, and if not for a ill-conceived two-point conversion, very easily maybe could have won that game. Then they beat Tennessee. And then since then, the only one they have is Vanderbilt. So it, it's funny how things have changed so quickly. And I think part of it is kind of his attitude kind of rubs the Florida fan base the wrong way. That's not a criticism of Mullen. It's just kind of who he is. It's funny. Fan bases are like this for any coach. If their coach is winning, then their coach is cool or quirky or unique or whatever. But then when he's losing, he's like aloof, <laughs> you know, a clown, whatever, whatever adjective you want to use. So, you know, the best thing for Mullen is he just needs to win. I'll give you the early scoop on my dumpster team of the week this week. I'm not going to wait till later in the show, but it's Florida with an asterisk. It's Dan Mullen because on Monday, he shut down all media access for the rest of the week. All players, all his media availability, the only media availability he will do will be on the SEC conference call later this week. I mean, how many times do these coaches have to realize that when things go bad or there's you have challenges or you don't maybe agree with something that's that's written or an opinion of a reporter or something, the number one thing you don't do is shut off media access because all that's going to do is draw attention to everything. Now people outside of Gainesville are hearing about it. They're seeing about it and other reporters will look into it and it just kind of snowballs, you know, take the good with the bad. You're a grown up. You can handle it. He was not happy with some line of questioning after the game about how I think Kirby Smart talked about how the recruits had helped Georgia in the past few years and specifically in this game. And Mullen downplayed it. Well, we're, you know, about recruiting. The, the best news for Florida is at South Carolina, Samford, at Missouri, and Florida State. Should be an easy 4 0 finish for the Gators. And then who knows where they go off to playing a bowl game. And a relatively young team. I mean, I mean, last year they lost so they they lost more than anybody on the offensive side of the ball from last year. So, I think the most interesting trend from the pandemic football of 2020 was Dan Mullen turning heel, Darth Vader <laughs> masks coming out yeah. of the locker room and pumping up the crowd. Uh, I, I've never seen a head coach come out and do that like a like it was a WWE match or something. So, quite interesting stuff coming out of, out of Gainesville down there. So, Colin, we are going to talk about the college football playoff in depth in a little bit, but first, Colin. Yes, I have another question for you. I'll give you some time, though. I asked you this before, but now I've actually, I've actually got the, the correct answer. So forget what you told me last time we talked. In the seven-year history of the college football playoff rankings, how many teams have been ranked number one? And can you name them? I will provide the answer a little bit later. Well, I mean, off the top of my head, I know Mississippi State and Dak was the very first team ever. Yeah, just uh, we'll circle back real quick. So, you know, while Dan Mullen has shut down all media access this week, I have one last Florida Georgia story I forgot to mention on last week's pod. It's one of the most iconic plays in Georgia, Florida history. In 1980, number two ranked Georgia featuring freshman running back Herschel Walker trails Florida 21 to 20 in the final minute. The Bulldogs third down on its own seven, courtesy of 
our producer, Matt Mitchell. Here is the legendary call from Georgia announcer Larry Munson. Back third down on the eight. In trouble. Complete to the 25, to the 30. Lindsey Scott, 35, 40. Run, Lindsey. 25, 20, 50, 10, 5. Lindsey Scott. Lindsey Scott. Lindsey Scott. I can't believe it. 92 yards and I broke my chair. I came right through a chair, a metal steel chair with about a five-inch cushion. I broke it. The booth came apart while the stadium fell down. Now they do have to renovate this thing. They'll have to rebuild it now. I, this, is, this is incredible. You know, this game has always been called the world's greatest cocktail party. Do you know what is going to happen here tonight? Man, is there going to be some property destroyed tonight. 26 to 21. Dogs on top. We were gone. I gave up. You did too. We were out of it and gone. Miracle. Yeah, that was just an incredible call. It's unbelievable. Georgia goes on to win the national championship. So why am I bringing this up? Well, now here's the rest of the story. <laughs> so back then, when you were a photographer in a newspaper, you had to actually, after the game, you would actually have to drive to the newspaper to turn in your film so the photos could be in the paper the next day. A photographer with the Jacksonville Times Union, who was covering the game, went into his office. The editors were like, you got to have a shot of Lindsey Scott scoring the winning touchdown. Do you have a shot? The photographer's like, oh, man, you're not going to believe it. My, <laughs> my camera jammed. I didn't get any, I didn't get any shot on, on the touchdown. They can't believe it. They can't believe it. So they have to use photos from Associated Press. So they use photos from Associated Press. While the sports editor is going through the photos provided by Associated Press, in one of the photos with Lindsey Scott streaking down the sideline, there's a picture of the Jacksonville Times Union photographer with his arms above his head celebrating <laughs> Lindsey Scott running down the sideline. A little footnote, uh, that, that was the former photographer for the Jacksonville Times Union. So uh, just a, a note to any future journalist out there, do not cheer on the sideline. There's cameras everywhere. <laughs> no, he was uh, trying to unjam his camera by cheering for his team. <laughs> All right, let's move on to, it's a good story. Let's move on to the AP Top 25 versus the Action Network Top 25. All right, Brett, so this is a segment where I feel like it's going to be uh, real quick for us from here on out because really the college football playoff is going to take over. You and I still agree on our number one and two teams at Georgia and Alabama. You put Michigan State all the way up at number three. When we do power ratings, we can't give anybody a 20-point bump. Uh, we would look it would look very unfavorable uh, to some of our people that wager on games if we all of a sudden just said Michigan State would be like a 10-point favorite over Oregon. But, yeah, so they're still down at 27 for me. You and I both agree OU is at number four. You know, a lot there's not that much separation between I've, – I've told everybody before, there is a real sandwich between, like, spot seven to spot 30. Everybody's within, like, three-and-a-half power rating points um so you know going through your list it, it makes sense where some, some of these teams are where they are like why i'm 37 on wake forest you're ninth on wake forest we're going to talk about sam hartman and wake forest's odds coming up a little bit later you know auburn up to 13 i've got them power ranked fifth they became fifth for a reason that's because florida finally took a drop it's not that i gave them a whole bunch of credit for actually winning at home in a game against Ole miss where they should have it's just that a lot of other teams kind of fell before after them i mean for the top 10 as a whole, Brett, I dropped a lot of teams. Like, Georgia was not that impressive. If you look at it, they only had two offensive drives that were longer than three plays, and they turned out to be field goals. I mean, if you look at Ohio State, not that impressive box score whatsoever. Did you kind of had, like, a, a sinking feeling about your top five? But I say top 10, but really top five this week? 
you can't leave like five through eight blank. You know, right. you got you got to put somebody up there. And while we're at it, at, you move Florida from seven to six. Yeah, you at Florida has lost four games. They are ranked number six. This is what drives people crazy as far as the selection committee, because sometimes they think very similar to how you think. They don't penalize schools for losses, and it's hard for the average fan to wrap their mind around that. I understand what you're saying. Two teams play on a neutral field. This is how the game's going to be, you know, as far as the point spread. But, you know, that's that's what really gets people is when they see they see a four-loss Florida rank sixth, uh, you know, and then you wonder, what if they were 8-0? You know, they'd right. have to be the number one team in the country. But, uh, you know, look, there's going to be a lot of complaints about the about the college football playoff rankings, no matter what schools that Ohio State and Oregon are ahead of that are undefeated. Because people automatically think if you don't lose a game, you should be ranked higher than everybody else, unless that team's UTSA, and then nobody talks about it because – Nobody's been on the UTS bandwagon. Everyone's just been saying how deserving Cincinnati is because of the previous years, which, as you mentioned perfectly, last year has nothing to do with this year. Everybody should understand from a grading process, you know, what I do with our Action Network power ratings is every little single detail in the box score gets looked at. And when you look at the box score, let's just blank out the score, right? The 34 to 7, let's just blank it out and not pay attention to it. Florida had more first downs, total yards. Florida had one more total yard, even though they ran uh, a little bit more plays. I mean, their yards per play were still 5.5 in passing, 4.1 yards per rush. Each team had three turnovers. The difference was, is every time that Florida turned the ball over, it turned into easy points for Georgia. So, you know, if you, and then when you go through the drive log, it's like, I, I just, eight play, eight play drive for Georgia turned into a missed field goal. We got punt, punt, uh, 11 play drive field goal. Uh, you know, I mean, their points came off of some, you know, some really chaotic defensive plays or the fact that there was a pick six or the fact that there was, you know, field position spotted down, uh, you know, at like the 20 yard line. So it was a very beneficial game for Georgia. I don't think they beat him as bad as that 34 to seven score. I'm waiting for the floor to fall out on Florida. Now that LSU game, they got trounced, like ran all over, but at the same time, they scored over 40 points. So they didn't take that big of a hit then either. Uh, but I mean, I will say this from a, from a power rating standpoint, if you guys haven't checked out the action network power ratings over at ActionNetwork.com, Florida's 89 and a half in power rating. And there's approximately 12 teams I'm looking at within a point of them. So, I mean, they're, they're really close to falling down outside the top 25. You mentioned UTSA, uh, Jeff trailer gets a new contract extension. Uh, is that ironclad? <laughs> uh, he's not going to go anywhere. He's been one of the most quiet, not talked about successful coaching jobs, 10 years out there. He, he's not going to, he's not going to leave uh, San Antonio. Well, if he can, it's going to cost him more money. Uh, but I think that was a preemptive strike now with the Texas tech job open now with TCU open. He certainly, he's got a lot of, a lot of ties in the state of Texas, give the road runners credit for, for doing what they can to make him, uh, make him as happy as possible. Doesn't mean he's going to be there forever, but at least they're, uh, they're showing their appreciation for the undefeated season so far for the Roadrunners. This is the new age of college football where contracts are being extended and contracts are being terminated on the week of Halloween instead of the Sunday after the final week of college football, like after Thanksgiving. It's, uh, it's very interesting how proactive some of these ADs have been behaving. Let's move on to our next segment. This is your Heisman Handicap. The Heisman Trophy 
is awarded to uh, odds presented by via WinBet. Then we're going to bring in something, Brett, that since you're brand new to the company, you've never been a part of it. Every year, the Action Network Gambling Heisman Trophy presented by the Action Network Gambling Heisman Trust. Our previous winners, 2018 Trevor Lawrence, 2019 Lynn Bowden Jr., 2020 Drew Plitt of Ball State. Before we get to that, let's talk about the actual Heisman that you're going to be voting in. Uh, not much movement other than Matt Corral has dropped all the way down to seven to one. Desmond Ritter has dropped down to 40 to one. The rest of the board, you know, 60 to 100 to ones on Zamir White's, Brian Robinson Jr.'s. None of these people, none of these players have the chance to come in and actually catch this. It is a pretty tight race between Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, but there is a new player and it is Kenneth Walker III. At WinBet, he's, uh, the field is listed at two to one. And I have to assume that includes Caleb Williams. That includes Kenneth, <laughs> Kenneth Walker III. You can find other shops that are posting Kenneth Walker in at about five to one, six to one. What is your take? If he, if Michigan State wins the Big Ten, because it's such a team associated award, if Michigan State wins the Big Ten, does he essentially win the Heisman Award and take it away from C.J. Stroud? No, I don't think it's automatic. I think if Alabama wins the SEC title, I think Bryce Young wins it because he's a quarterback. He's putting up monster numbers. Look, Alabama was off last week, so they're out of sight, out of mind. Obviously, Kenneth Walker, just a tremendous, tremendous game against Michigan. I understand how it works. You have a great game. Now you're the Heisman favorite, whatever. He wasn't the Heisman favorite a week ago when he only had 84 yards and 23 carries against Indiana. You know, he wasn't the Heisman favorite when he had 61 yards on 19 carries against Nebraska. And that's kind of like last week I said, unless he can have something like a Barry Sanders type finish where he runs for 300 every game with five or six touchdowns, I think it's just too hard because the quarter it's become a quarterback award and it's going to be that much more difficult. But, you know, if he can keep putting up 200 yards and four or five touchdowns, especially the final two weeks at Ohio State and against Penn State, and both of those are wins, then I think he's got a, I think he's got a le- legitimate shot. I still don't, I still wouldn't pick him to win it. I just think it's too difficult for running backs. I still think it's going to be Bryce Young. And we talked about Matt Corral. You know, it was a month ago. Matt Corral was the, le- he was the leader. And what did we say, Colin? We said, don't put any money on Matt Corral because, oh, look at Ole Miss's schedule. They still have Auburn. They still have Texas A&M. They still have Alabama. He's going to have to win out to have a chance to win it. Sure enough, they lost a game, and now he's shuffled down in the deck. Yeah, so another name I, we've got to bring up. We can't. We, we have to talk about this because you said it's a quarterback-driven award and it's team-dependent. Well, Brett, there's an undefeated team out there with a quarterback that's throwing up crazy numbers. And that's Sam Hartman can be found out there at about 40 to one wake forest Heisman quarterback. Is it possible with an undefeated season against a very weak ACC? Uh, you, you summed it up there. Weak ACC. There's no, there's no ranked opponents for wake forest, at least not in the reg, the rest of the regular season, unless NC state gets back up in there. And then who's he going to get in the ACC title game? I don't think it's enough. I mean, look, it's an incredible story what Wake's done. And and Dave Clawson, we talk about all these openings. If I was an AD, well, I, I wouldn't be on this podcast, but if I was an, an AD, <laughs> Dave Clawson would be at the top of my wish list because that guy does more with less than anybody around. And look, I know it was Army, but I also know that you and Stucky were talking about how good Army defends the pass and yada, yada, yada. And then... Wake puts up 
a 70 burger. I love Sam Hartman. I just think, you know, he's hurt because of how weak the schedule is. He's got no marquee games on there. He's not going to get the same primetime viewership that Bryce Young will get at Alabama, that Kenneth Walker will get at Michigan State, that C.J. Stroud will get at Ohio State. So Hartman may get to New York, but I, I still think he's a long shot. Tread lightly there with Sam Hartman at 40 to 1. Uh, probably look at some Wake Forest ACC odds, although I believe that is below 40 to 1. But you've got a, a really steep uphill climb. Bryce Young, plus 150, got to beat Georgia. Uh, CJ Stroud, 2 to 1, I still think is the one that you and I have been talking about all along. I think the value is finally gone on that number. Uh, Ohio State's going to have to win out for him to win it. And Matt Corral is going to have to have an unbelievable November to even be mentioned and get an a invite up to New York. So we are going to stick with Stroud. We're going to say pass on Sam Hartman. Brett, I'm introducing you to the Action Network Gambling Heisman Trophy. The Gambling Heisman Trophy, awarded to the most outstanding Division I player whose athletic excellence best enabled the pursuit of monetary gain through the art and science of wagering on college football. This is awarded to a player that has made us a lot of money on a team that has gone almost perfect against the spread. And this is the MVP of that team that has won us a bunch of tickets. Trevor Lawrence came in for Kelly Bryant in 2018. Clemson all but swept the remaining part of the schedule, won the national championship. Lynn Bowden Jr., I believe Kentucky dropped us one game against the spread that season. And last year, Drew Plitt. Although I think I was um, I think I was overruled on the Zavin Collins for Tulsa. Uh, Tulsa was a machine covering against the spread thanks to Zavin Collins. But Drew Plitt won it for Ball State last year. Couple of names here, Brett. We have Syracuse eight and one against the spread, led by Sean Tucker, eleven touchdowns, top ten and uh, yards after contact. He's fifth in missed tackles forced. Sincere McCormick, we just got done talking about UTSA. Both sincere, sincere McCormick and Frank Harris are on the seven and one against the spread. UTSA meet meep Roadrunners. Harris is top fifteen in big time throw percentage. He's got a sixteen to three TD to INT. And then Kenneth Walker the third. Michigan State six one and one against the spread. He is PFF's leading graded rusher, PFF's leader in missed tackles forced, PFF's leader in elusiveness, and second the nation in yards after contact after Travion Henderson. And then what would it be if we didn't have Matt Areza on this? San Diego State just 5-3 and against the spread, but they couldn't have done it without their punter. Leads punts in the nation inside 20. He has had 29 of them this year. Longest punt of the season at 86 yards, three of five field goals from beyond 50 yards. Pretty amazing special teams player. Brett, if we had to vote on the action that we're gambling Heisman Trophy for these teams that have been outstanding against the spread, which one of these players are you taking? I would do a write-in candidate for the uh, UTEP defense uh, because what Minor Nation has done has been incredible, but you got to vote for one person. I would go with Kenneth Walker based strictly on the fact that I think it's more surprising right now that the Spartans are undefeated than UTSA. I know UTSA opened at Illinois, but that's a 500 team. You know, they've, they've won three, UTSA has won three games outright as an underdog. Michigan State has won three games outright as an underdog. You can tell me, but I think Michigan State's already blown past their projected win total for the year. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if UTSA has done that yet. So at this point in the season, I would go with Kenneth Walker. Yeah, I like that one too. That's the leader in the clubhouse for me. I do have a soft spot for UTSA, and I always have a soft spot for San Diego State, but we will keep track of this. Generally, the person that wins this, they lead their team to almost a perfect season against the spread. 
Kenneth Walker in the clubhouse as leader at this point in the season. All right, let's move on to the playoff payoff. The college football playoff payoff. Uh, playoff? Don't talk about playoff. You kidding me? Playoff? All right, Brett, these odds are via win bet. Uh, Georgia minus 110, Alabama plus 275, Ohio State 8 to 1, Oklahoma 8 to 1, Cincy 40 to 1. You and I are a little doubtful about where they're going to come out here on the college football playoff, whether they're going to be in the top four. Oregon 50 to 1. That is a big number. Uh, Michigan 80 to 1. There's going to be a college football playoff piece that comes out tomorrow morning, Tuesday morning. It's going to be a sort of a bracket seating, an approach that I take as to how they're going to fill the four spots. And essentially it's the SEC is going to fill one of these spots. If Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC championship, that's going to fill one of the spots. If OU wins out, that fills one of the spots. If Ohio State wins out, that fills one of the spots. If Oregon wins out, that fills one of the spots. So, Brett, if Oregon wins out, they're in the the college football playoff. So 50-1 to has got to be a little bit intriguing, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, I (laughs) – I got them earlier in the year at the 35 to one after they beat Ohio state. And now they have better odds because of that loss. But yeah. I think if they went out, they somehow, some way 12 and one pac 12 champion will get into the playoff. I know there's a million different scenarios, but that's really the only thing out there that I see that has any real value um, this week. Everything's, you know, the, the best numbers are gone from a few weeks ago. Certainly anything involving Alabama or Georgia and Ohio state, and or Oklahoma. So you're kind of, you're kind of taking a long shot now for anybody other than those four. Yeah. I feel like Oklahoma is pretty much a shoe in to make the college football playoff. You may disagree with your Oklahoma state alumni stuff, uh, but uh, you know, they, they are on a bye week. They only have three games left, you know, then they get to the big 12 championship game. You know, we, you and I have had talks about what's going to happen in Bedlam, what happens every year in Bedlam. Look out. This is Bedlam. But uh Oklahoma can drop a game this month. They're still going to be in the Big 12 championship, and they're probably still going to make the playoff even if they drop a game. So I feel like Oklahoma at 8-1, to one, I'm not saying that it has value, but they're the ones that have the cushion and the padding to lose a game this month and still make the playoff. As far as Oregon goes, they have no cushion, and they're going to have to go to Rice-Eccles and play Utah, and if they survive that, they might have to play Utah again in Las Vegas. So there's no wiggle room for Oregon whatsoever. I'm not saying there's value on Oklahoma, but if you don't have an Oklahoma ticket, they have the most likely path of being in the college football playoff. So Colin, earlier I asked you, which teams have been ranked number one in the seven-year history of the college football playoff? You've had some time to think about it, so fire away. Okay, I'm going to go Alabama, Clemson, LSU, Mississippi State. You're four for four. (laughs) You're not going to let me know how many more I got to go? (laughs) <laughs> nope nope uh okay i'll get I'll, I'll be nice two more two more i'm gonna say ohio state and georgia you are correct sir yes those are the six georgia will be ranked number one on tuesday it will be only the third week that georgia has ranked number one uh that is the fewest number of weeks tied with ohio state and mississippi state Nobody has ever seen anything like 2007. We need 2007 back when a two-loss <laughs> LSU team beat Ohio State for the national title. So I covered the University of South Florida back then, and USF ranked number two in the country. That was the most bizarre time ever. I'll never forget it. All right, Brad. So you and I are saying Oregon 50 to one. They got to win out five games. 
Pac-12 championship, probably against Utah again. They got to go to Utah and win. But if there's one on the board that we like, that's it. The safest play on the board is OU at eight to one. That's the one team that actually can afford a loss in the month of November. And now as a quick reminder to our listeners, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook. And they've got a brand new sign-up offer for you guys. Bet $1 on any team and win $100 if that team scores a touchdown. That's right. All you have to do is open up a WinBet account, deposit $20 or more, and bet $1 on any team within your first 10 days. If that team scores a touchdown, you win $100. So if you haven't signed up at WinBet Sportsbook yet, take advantage of this offer today by clicking on the Action Network link in this episode description. Must be 21 or older to gamble. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's get back to the show. So, Colin, here's a couple of uh, nuggets for our listeners when they're watching Tuesday's show to keep in mind if they want to place a wager on who they think will, will win the championship. Keep this in mind. The eventual national champion, their rank at this point of the season, five of the last six ranked no lower than number four. Your national champion ranked in the top four at this time. The only time it didn't happen was 2014. The first ranking, Ohio State was all the way back at number 14. So obviously anything can happen, but history tells us when the rankings come out, the national champion is going to be ranked in those top four teams. One other thing real quickly, of the 28 playoff teams over the past seven years, only five did not rank in the top six of the first college football playoff ranking. So keep that in mind. That means that historically, three of four or four of four of the semifinalists will reside in the top six when the rankings are revealed on Tuesday. So cracking that top six is really key for everybody. But this first one, big time. I mean, if Cincinnati falls to seven, it's done. And, you know, I think the thing that, (laughs) I mean, Brett, really the thing that got me about Cincinnati is that I went back and reviewed last year. And if you notice, like they slid that this game against Tulsa kept getting postponed for COVID or whatever. There was no traveling going on. Cincinnati did nothing to hurt themselves. And three loss Florida jumped them. Two loss Oklahoma jumped them. And that's why I'm so bearish on Cincinnati right now. Like even if they end up four or five, whatever, they don't have the remaining strength of schedule to pull this off. So, yeah, I mean, it's important to be in the top six tomorrow on on Tuesday night, but uh, I don't think it looks good for Cincinnati whatsoever. There will be a huge outcry from people who think they belong. I don't, I think if you look at it subjectively, I don't think they do belong, but that's the beauty of college football. Everybody thinks they know it all. (laughs) And bottom line is our opinions don't matter, Colin. It's the 13 individuals that vote on the selection committee. I'd love to be a fly on the wall to hear them tell me why Ohio State's better than Oregon. That's going to do it for us. This has been Big Bets on Campus Sources Edition. Tomorrow afternoon, you can hear our group of five experts, Mike Ionello, Mike Calabrese, on our G5 Deep Dive episode. And late, late Thursday night, Stucky and I will return for our Week 10 betting preview, all right here on the BBOC podcast. Brett's got to get back to staying on the phone with coaches that are looking for jobs, and I've got to get back to studying some action. Thanks for joining me, Brett. See everybody at the window.